what I wanted us to do, and we have been doing for some time, we're talking about um, hearts and habits, and one of the habits that we should have is sharing the gospel. And so I've asked you here to prepare yourself to be able to share the gospel here, at least a short version, three to five minutes, um, with your brothers and sisters in Christ, that that will help us to know one another. It'll help you in sharing that. It'll bless our heart. I've actually prayed today for my own heart, and I've prayed for each of you, along with my wife, that as a testimony is given today, there's somebody here, maybe many someones, that that word is going to encourage, that word is going to build up, and maybe that word will bring faith to your heart. And so, uh, with that, Debbie Kibler, um, longtime uh, member of the Abundant Life class in Timberlake Baptist Church, is going to come and share her testimony. So, Debbie, you come, and uh, where'd that microphone go? David, do you have that microphone still? There we go. Give that microphone to Miss Debbie, if you would, please. Thank you. I won't go through this whole pack. I grew up in a loving Christian home. I am certain that my parents were both saved, and they attended a Bible-believing church where they faithfully took us kids every Sunday. I made a profession of faith in Jesus at a very early age, though I couldn't tell you exactly when that was. Through high school, I faithfully attended church. Um, I went to Sunday school and youth group and sincerely believed that I was saved. When I went off to college, I started, that started off well spiritually, and I I met other Christians, and I got involved in Campus Crusade for Christ. But by about my junior year in college, I had drifted into a pattern of not attending church very much, and, and even more telling, I, it really didn't, I didn't think that it was all that important. My relationship with the Lord just wasn't very personal at that point. After graduating, my spiritual life continued to lose importance in my life. Church attendance wasn't very regular. Spending time in the Word was almost non-existent. I got a job as a, uh, after college, after graduation, as a computer programmer, which was back in the days if you, you were hired, if you could say you even had seen a computer. <laughs> and I had seen one, so I was hired. <laughs> For the next several years, I worked hard at my job. I, I moved out on my own. I enjoyed time with my friends and wasn't very concerned with sin in my life and my lack of fellowship with the Lord. Still, if anyone had asked me during those years if I was a Christian, I I probably would have said yes, and I could have given a fairly sound definition of biblical salvation. But there was no fruit and no evidence that I was saved. Jesus Christ wasn't real and personal to me. I moved from New Jersey to Lynchburg for an IT job with B&W, and the the pattern continued. I met my husband there, and we were married. I knew he wasn't a Christian, but because of my lack of a personal relationship with Christ, that wasn't a priority. 
A few years after we got married, we moved to Dallas, Texas for seven years and then back to Lynchburg. We were both working a lot of hours for our jobs, working hard, traveling some, quite a bit, actually. And life was pretty much focused around work and making money and then uh, building a house when we came back from Texas. In the years after we moved back to Lynchburg, I became increasingly dissatisfied with my life. I knew that there had to be more <clears throat> to life and, and that, one, that what I was pursuing. My husband was working long hours and at his job and spending the rest of his time working around the farm, but I felt very empty and lonely. I knew that I needed to find meaning in my life, and because of my church background, I knew the one place that I needed to go to find, <clears throat> to find that meaning. The Lord was graciously beginning to use the emptiness in my life to draw me back to him, and his grace kept me from looking for happiness in the wrong places. In the fall of 1998, I began attending Timberlake Baptist Church because it was the, the closest church to where we lived that was of any size. I didn't attend every Sunday, but it was at least a start. I also started to read my Bible some. God was convicting me of sin, and I knew that the greatest sin was that of rejecting him for so many years. In October of that year, we went on a vacation down the parkway in North Carolina, and we stayed at about four bed and breakfast that I had just picked out of a book. I didn't know anything about them at the time, but it turned out that each one was owned by a Christian because at each one they prayed at breakfast each day and there were, there were many Bible verses around on the walls. And that, that really made an impact on me because I saw God's hand in my selection of the places to stay. I, just, I could see God um, working in that. Also, a friend of mine wasn't, who wasn't a Christian had given me a CD of hymns and shortly before the trip, and I just I played that CD in the car over and over again. And the, the Lord used that music and the Christian influence of those B&Bs to remind me that he was there seeking a relationship with me. He continued to draw me to him. <clears throat> this is the part where I'm going to need this. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> on Sunday morning... November 15th, I went to church at TBC, and Bob Jones III was the special speaker that day. I honestly don't remember what his sermon was, what the text was, um, but I, I don't think it would have mattered. I think if he had preached from Leviticus, it, it wouldn't have mattered, <laughs> because I knew that God was speaking to me and telling me that it was time to wholly give my life to him. At the end of his message, Dr. Jones gave an invitation. That was back in the time when invitations were given and people came forward. And I knew that I needed to respond. I was sitting right back in that corner. 
I came down that aisle. And I knelt right there. And I prayed that Jesus would forgive me from running from him for so long. I gave Jesus all my sin, and he gave me his righteousness. I knew that when I got up from that spot, that I was a new creation. The old Debbie had died. I will never understand why God was so gracious not to give up on me, but to continue to pursue me. But I am truly eternally grateful that he did. The following Sunday was the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and my brother and his wife were coming to my parents' house, who lived up near Harrisonburg, for Thanksgiving. The Lord's timing was perfect, as always, because I was baptized that Sunday night and voted into membership And my parents and my brother-in-law came down to Lynchburg to be here for that. There was a dramatic change in my life from that point forward. I had a new purpose, new goals, a new love for God and his people, a new love for his word. I wanted to be in church. I wanted to read and study God's word. And I wanted to serve him in whatever way I could. I knew I couldn't make up for the wasted years, but I wanted to make whatever time I had left count for the Lord. I began attending TBC every Sunday, began attending the Abundant Life class, and began to look for places where I could serve. It hasn't always been an easy path that that the Lord has put me on. Just like all of us, the Lord has asked me to do some difficult things, things that I could never have done in my own strength or ability. But it was in those times that I learned the most about walking by faith and trusting in him and his plan for me. In some ways, my life got got harder on that day in November 1998 as my husband wasn't happy with my newfound religion, as he called it. He said he would have been okay with me going to church for an hour on Sunday like a normal Christian. But, I wasn't, but he wasn't happy what he, in what he saw as extreme Christianity that affected the way I viewed all of life, the way I spent my time, the way I spent my money, my goals, my worldview. But I knew that the Lord didn't want me to be a one hour a week Christian. He requires total commitment. So I am in constant need of wisdom and grace to know how to live my faith before my husband Bob. I have made many mistakes and failed the Lord so many times. But he is faithful to forgive me and to continue to teach me to keep my eyes on him and to depend on him for the resources that I need each day. Bob continues to resist the gospel, but as much as I want to see him come to the Lord, I have finally learned that I can't save him. 
I can only pray for him and try to live out the gospel before him. I know that some of you have been so faithful to pray for him. Probably at times more faithful than I have been. And I would just ask that you continue to pray that the Lord would open his blind eyes and change his heart of stone into a heart of flesh. I love this church. And I am so thankful that the Lord has brought me here. He has allowed me to serve him here in ways that I never would have imagined. I don't know what my remaining days hold, but I I know that God will be good and faithful. And I just want to close with two verses that I know are very familiar to all of you in Ephesians 2. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. All of us who have been saved, we all have a but God story. And thank you for listening to mine. If you're listening to that testimony and you're thinking, I've never been to that spot. I've never kneeled in that place. I've never totally given my life to Christ. I've never asked him to forgive me my sin, to take it all and to allow me to have his righteousness. I've got good news for you. You don't have to do it in that spot. You can do it sitting in that chair. Or you can come with me and we can go do it in my office. Or you can go home and you can do it in the sofa. You can do it any place, anywhere, because God's an ever-present God. But he is calling out a people for his name's sake, just like he did Debbie and just like all of the other testimonies that you heard. Isn't that amazing? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like well, I'm not going to say Debbie, even though she was just here. She said it, like me, right? I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, and now I see. You see, there's a transaction that takes place. We were looking at, and we are looking at, and oh, we go painfully slow, don't we? But it doesn't matter. You can have motion without devotion. Debbie had years of motion. You can play church for years. You can come here and sit for years. You can do all the right things for years and there's no heart. And motion without devotion will send you to hell forever. Because motion without devotion means that you're depending on yourself rather than the one who died for you. And so um, the heart, the heart, we're looking at the heart. And we're looking at building godly habits that flow from our heart, that increase our devotion, our love for Christ, because that's what happens when you're a believer. As soon as you are a believer, and you're, she said, powerful words. It's the same thing that we've been learning in Romans this this last year in particular, in Romans 6, wasn't it? Debbie 
What did she say? What, what happened to Debbie? Debbie died. The old Debbie is gone, and now there's a new Debbie. Paul said it different in 2 Corinthians. He said, the um, old man has died, and all those things are passing away, and behold, all things have become new. And when you become new, the Spirit is in you, and he takes the great and precious promises. Look, if you would, at 2 Peter. That's where we've been, and we'll just, we'll just end there. But look at 2 Peter one more time. Um, because it's also how you become a partaker in his nature is by exactly how Debbie described it. You repent from your sin and you trust Christ and you, you take on that new person. We see in these uh, passages, uh, there's many, many truths, but there's six essential ones that I've pointed out to you and I didn't actually list them for you each time, but I just want you to see them. These, these essential truths here in Second Peter that deal with our devotion and our, our love for Christ. And the first one you see in, in verse 3, His divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Do you see there's no true life and godliness outside of Christ? It doesn't exist. That's why Debbie was empty. That's why we will be empty. You can do a lot of things without Christ. But, but you won't have life and godliness because there's no godliness without him. You won't, you won't have that eternal life, that special life, that life that is energized um, by, by the Spirit. And secondly, there in verse 4a, he's granted us something. He has granted us his precious and magnificent promises. And, and it's through the power of his spirit and those promises that he transforms us into new creatures. Debbie is not the same today that she was even when she knelt there. Uh, she's grown. And if you're a genuine believer, you will grow because the end of this tells us that we're, we become useful and fruitful. No matter how good she was in the world of business, and she was skilled in business, still is. But that was getting her nothing with God. She was not useful to God in that situation, and she was not fruitful for God. But once she was born again, and the divine nature was in her, Debbie died, and Christ now lives in her, she began growing in Christ's likeness, and she was being built by faith, and she's being built in Christ's likeness, becoming useful and fruitful. That's what we want, right? We want to be useful, and we want to, we want to be fruitful. So that was the third thing. By his divine power and his precious promises, we are partakers of his nature, and we escape the corruption that is in the world, 4B. So look at those verses, 3 and 4, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he's granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them we may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. He's given us that divine power, everything we need for life and godliness. He's granted to us this book, these precious promises that are life transforming. He has given to us 
the ability to escape that downward pull. You feel that downward pull, don't you? We all do. The downward pull is there, but we can escape the corruption of this world. We can live in the power of the Spirit, but we have to do it His, his way. And that's what we're looking at this quarter in particular because we, we all want to um, do that. Number four, we see there in verse five, now for this very reason also, applying all diligence to your faith supply. What is that saying? It's saying there's some work to do on our part. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. He's given us his, his word. He's given us his spirit. He came and was our example. He came and died and has become our righteousness. He's given us everything we need, but that doesn't mean we just sit back and do nothing and twiddle our thumbs. No, no, no now, we, now we must apply, and not just anyway, with, with all diligence. We must apply with all diligence. And as we do that, then we pursue all these virtues. We could have done the series and just taken each one of these virtues and it would have been perfectly appropriate, but these virtues will flow out of the disciplines or the habits we're going to put in our life um, by the power of the Spirit as we learn them and deepen them. And then we'll see. Look at verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, see, we keep pursuing them, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful. So the opposite is they render you useful and fruitful. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We want to be useful, and we want to be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then number six, we're to practice we're to make these habits in our life, good habits. We're to practice these things so that we grow and not stumble. That's what verse 10 says. Yes, it's my translation of that verse, but look at it. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing of you. For as long as you practice these things, as long as you put those things into practice, then... You won't stumble. You won't fall. You, you won't be um, a castaway. That, that language is used over and over again in the New Testament. Just, just listen for a moment. You can write these down if you want to. But in your handout, I've got, um, I think it's on page two, godly habits are building blocks for spiritual transformation. Listen. This idea of repeated effort, diligence, is, is a language that, that Paul almost couldn't open his mouth without speaking about. 1 Timothy 4.7, he said, discipline, that's the word for train. It's actually the word agonize, train with agony. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. That should be our, our daily goal, habit building. We discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, 1 Timothy 4, 7. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I have those verses, 24 through 27, memorized, but I'm not going to try it right now. Um, and, and I have them right on my um, night, not my nightstand, but my, my reading stand, where I can see them every single day because it was such a big day deal to Paul. But he says, I discipline my body to make it a slave 
so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Now, certainly he is speaking as an elder, an apostle, a pastor, evangelist. But none of us want to be disqualified, right? None of us want to be disqualified. And the fact of the matter is, no matter how long you've been saved, your, your flesh is still corrupt. That's why it's got to die. That's why it's got to go in the ground. And that's why there's going to be a new body come up out of that ground one day. And so we still have the downward pull of the flesh, don't we? And he said, I've got to discipline that flesh. Because that flesh loves sin. Sin is pleasurable for a what? A season. But then you reap the whirlwind. Then you reap the whirlwind. And so we have to battle that, empowered by the Spirit, by, by disciplining ourselves with, with, with godly habits. We have to make our body a slave to righteousness rather than a slave to sin. And we, we develop godly habits and ask God's Spirit to empower us to that end. You see the same echo in Philippians 3.14, very familiar to you, when Paul says, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. He's always pressing to be more like Christ, the upward call, to be like Jesus. It's a press. It's work. It's not something we do casual. It's something we're devoted to. We wake up in the morning and we're devoted to the things we're going to look at. We're devoted to the word. We're devoted to prayer. Yes, please. No. So we just uh, received an update uh, regarding Jonathan Riley uh, from Deborah. Uh, so we should pray. But uh, Johnny is not responsive this morning. He is lethargic and moaning. The doctors have said all his results are worse. Please pray that if this is the end, God will give him peace and comfort. And I know we've prayed to that end already, sir, and that he will be with Jesus quickly. Thank you for sharing that. Let's pray right now. Father in heaven, that peace that we have already talked and prayed about, we pray that um, Johnny, <clears throat> Joe and Linda, um, the, the siblings, Deborah, and uh, Mary, Chris, that they would they would experience that if if this is the time for him to finally be home, then we pray that um, your grace would surround them. Um, they would sense your comfort. They would sense your strength. In in sorrow, deep sorrow, Lord, there would be great joy given by the Holy Spirit of God. That in that in tears there could be. Um, a smile, and the smile is the smile of hope. Not hope so, but hope knowing that um, Johnny is alive um, forevermore. So we, we um, lift them all up to you. We ask you to do in them and through them what we cannot do ourselves. Comfort them with the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Encourage their hearts. Um, Lord, we pray that as hospital people are attending and observing that um, they would see Christ's likeness not only in Johnny but the entire family and you would use his life even in death. Um, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, um, praise the Lord for the gospel, right? Praise the Lord that Johnny has a testimony similar to what um, many of you have shared. I trust some others of you will share in the future. Thank you for sharing, uh, Debbie. Pray, pray for Deborah and for Joe and Linda and, of course, for, um, for Johnny. And with that, our time is up. So um, we'll see you again next week. God bless you.